Good morning. Today we're reading Mark 14, 32 through 42. And then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Thank you so much. Again, it's good to be with you guys today. I'm going to sit down if that's all right. Let's see if I've got this in the right spot. If I click here. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, again, it's good to be with you guys on this uh, Sunday as we wrap up a series called Trials in Trust. Uh, and we've been really looking at different scripture of how we trust God in the best of times and, and how we trust God in the worst of times. We've been looking about how we trust God when things are going well and how we celebrate that and how we lean into that and how we can use that to be a part of our story of our faith and, and those times where things get rough. Uh, today is the final series, and this is a hard topic. How do we trust God when we go to him, when, when we pray, when we're earnest, when there is something real and dark in our life or a hope that we have that, that all of a sudden doesn't go the way we want? How do we trust when God says no? And, and that is literally the story of Gethsemane that we're going to be in today. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. This is Jesus' final moment before he goes to be persecuted, arrested, humiliated, and crucified. It's his last moment of solitude. His last opportunity to take a deep breath and, and to fortify himself for what he knows is coming. And, and what we know from the Gospels is that this wasn't a recent revelation. It wasn't like Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday, he's looking around and he's like, this is going badly. I, I think I may end up dying. No, he had been telling his disciples for years what God's plan was. That the Son of Man would come, would serve, would love would care for people, would let them know how much God loved them, but that ultimately humanity, humanity would reject him. And that in that rejection, he would have to suffer and die. He knew that. He knew that was the plan. And it didn't make the plan any easier. The reality of what was coming down the pipe, even having years to know, it was hard. And so he has this one last brief moment from the Lord's Supper, 
where he again says, I'm going to break my body for you. I'm going to shed my blood for you. And he goes to a garden. And for a lot of people, a garden is a place of solitude. I know for my wife, a garden is definitely a place of solitude, right? You get to see life around you. You get to see growth around you. There's something peaceful about being in God's creation. And, and he goes, and what we find in Scripture is that he, he takes his friends, right? He took Peter and James and John. So these are his three best friends with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, which I think all of us can understand what, what's going on there. Right? Like all of us would be distressed and troubled looking down the barrel of this particular reality. Right? So he brings his friends with him, care for me, walk with me. And he tells them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. So stay here and, and, and keep watch. We, we know from the Luke account of this story how sorrowful, how distressed, how overwhelmed was Jesus. He starts to sweat blood, which, which for a long time, historians actually use that as a way to say, see, Luke's just making stuff up. You never sweat blood. That wouldn't happen. But what doctors will tell you now is in times of deep distress, your face tenses up so much that blood capsules start to burst. And it can literally look like blood is coming down your face because you are so stressed, you are so much in distress. That is the state Jesus is in. And so he takes his friends with him. He finds that spot. And, and he starts to fortify himself. But before he does that, he goes to his father with a request. And he says this. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, this hour may pass from him. Abba, Father, he says, everything is possible for you. So take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will. This is a fascinating place in scripture. Because this is a place where Jesus' will and the Father's will aren't actually in sync. Right? He knows what God's plan is. He knows what his father, Abba, Daddy, I know what the plan is. But the plan looks really hard right now, and I don't want to do it. And so often as Christians, when realities that are hard come into our lives, when we get sick, or someone we love gets sick, or we lose a job, or there's a possibility something might go wrong with our house, or the world, or whatever else, we can tell ourselves, that feeling that it's okay, not, it's not okay to be okay. You have to be okay with whatever comes. Jesus wasn't okay with it, clearly. It's okay not to be okay when darkness and sin come into our lives. It's okay not to be okay when someone dies that we love or gets sick or when the doctor calls and they say it, it, it's positive you have X, Y, or Z. Jesus' will, his desire, was not in sync with his father's desire. And that doesn't mean he doesn't go around with it. We're going to see that in a second. But it's okay not to be okay with what God has in store. 
There's freedom there that we don't have to play pretend. That as Christians, we can bring all of our emotions to God, all of our responses to a broken world, and he doesn't say, well, either get on with the program or get off the train. Instead, he invites us to bring him everything. That we have a father who wants to hear when we're in distress or we're in sorrow. And he doesn't banish us, but instead invites us deeper into relationship. And the story goes on. Then he, Jesus, returned, and his disciples found him, and he found his disciples sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. You see, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This was a week for the disciples. I mean, think about this for a moment. They show up Palm Sunday, and the whole city is in the streets, excited about Jesus coming in. Literally shouting, Hosanna, son of David, king of the Jews, this is the Messiah, this is the one. They enter the city and they're thinking, we've arrived. God's finally going to do his big entrance and we get to be a part of it. Man, they are at the mountaintop with Jesus, with the promise of this guy they spent three and a half years believing in. But, but as the week goes on, they start to hear murmurs that the Pharisees and that the Romans are starting to cooperate together. That maybe that high point was a false flag of their success. And all of a sudden they realize, wait a second, we don't have the people's blessing anymore. And that crowd has turned into a mob. And just from an emotional standpoint, have you ever had those weeks where like you're just exhausted? You're just tired. Like the highs and the lows, and then you just start kind of numbing yourself a little bit to the point where all you can do, like you sit down and you almost immediately fall asleep, right? That's what happens to the disciples. They've just been everywhere. Emotions all across the board. And so they end up in this nice garden. It's evening. Jesus heads off for a bit. They're just sitting around, probably not wanting to make noise, right? I don't want to upset Jesus. I want to let him have his time. And so they, just, they just kind of nod off. It, it makes sense. I, I can feel that. I, I would fall asleep, right? I love my naps deeply and passionately. It's actually one of the ways that I get to be alone, right? Like going to the bedroom, shut the door. Like, all right, dad's sleeping, whatever else, right? It, it's, it's good. It makes sense where the disciples are at. And once more, he, Jesus, went away and prayed the same prayer. It's okay to keep praying about something. You know, sometimes as Christians, we can think, well, I prayed once that God would take away this cancer. I prayed once that God would fix this marriage. Or I prayed once that the situation would change. And, well, he didn't say, he didn't answer it. I don't want to bug him. I don't want to pester him. I don't want to keep poking. That's not who our God is. To be able to realize we have a Father who invites us to share our heart as often as we need to. And that's a good thing. 
That's a rhythm, that's a posture that we as the church can live through and see. So he goes and he asks again, and then he heads back, and when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Right? And they get like, I love the disciples because they are just a merry band of misfits, which makes me and my own faith, I feel a lot of camaraderie with that, right? Because like, okay, first time, dude, guys, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally about to die here. I'm suffering. Can you guys just hold out with me a little while longer? Yeah, Jesus, we got you. We got you. All right, I'm going to go pray. Comes back. Disciples. Uh, asleep? Right? Like, just these awesome mountaintops they have with him. And then these just head-scratching valleys. And what we see in the Gospels is the disciples' faith is our faith. Right? We, we have seen God carry us through over and over and over again. We believe in him. We find comfort in him. And then, and then life comes at you fast, and all of a sudden you're asleep at the wheel. And you're not ready when there's an opportunity to love. You're detached. You're broken away, right? The highs and the lows. If you ever want to find comfort for your own faith, just look at the disciples. Jesus took that merry band of misfits and said, this is where I'm going to start my church. This is the foundation I'm going to use. These type of people of the earth, the outcasts, the goofballs, and he says, I can use you. Right. And then returning a third time, he said, are you still? And I mean, Jesus probably wouldn't swear, right? But like, there's emotion in his voice at this point, right? Are you still sleeping? <laughs> Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. So let's rise, get up. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus goes to his father. And he says, if there's any other way, please, it's okay not to be okay with the circumstance. It's okay to be challenged, to be scared, to be distressed, to be overwhelmed by what happens. And yet Jesus, even though he's not okay with what is going to happen, doesn't rebel. I think for me, that, that's, that's where sin most easily gets in. Like, it's okay not to be okay, but that doesn't mean I have to act and lash out of that. Right? When I don't get my way in a relationship or with something with work or, or with whatever else, my sinful nature can be, all right, well, I tried it God's way. Now I'm going to do it. I'll take care of it myself. <laughs> right? I'll, I'll fix the situation. I'll move the needle. And, and that's not what Jesus does. He still is willing to seek his Father's will because more than himself, he trusts God's plan. He trusts what God is up to. And so even when God says, no, I, I need you to still do this, this is still the path that you're going to walk. He trusts God. He follows God. He seeks God. And he's willing to go through the plan. He's willing to go through the lowest valley because he knows God has the highest good in mind. And y'all hold to that in times of distress. Because all of us are going to go through valleys. 
You may be in a valley right now. God's highest good is still in store. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get everything you want. It doesn't mean there's not going to be pain. It doesn't mean that sin isn't going to hurt. But the promise that he's not done yet. And we see this in the story of Jesus. Like, this is literally humanity's worst act. We took the one innocent guy, the one human who came to love and to care and to heal, the one guy who didn't add to the miracle round of sin, right? All of us, we all keep it spinning, myself included. My actions, my bitterness keeps that wheel going. Jesus didn't. He gave people an off-ramp to that miracle round. And we took the one innocent guy and we killed him. And you would think, well, that's a tragedy. Nothing good can come from that. But instead, God takes that evil and he does the most wondrous, beautiful, life-changing, miraculous creation event where he uses our sin to fix the world, where we're forgiven, we're given life now and life into eternity. Hold to that even when God says no. Which then brings us to what's going on in the world right now. Last week was a little surreal for me. So Eric and I just got back from Puerto Rico, had a wonderful trip. My wife just mm, chef's kiss when it comes to planning trips, right? And so we spent time on the beaches and snorkeling and eating seafood and just really experiencing God's creation in a literal tropical paradise. So we're, we're on vacation and, you know, two days into vacation, uh, Russia invades Ukraine. And for me, it was surreal because here I am, literally in paradise, on vacation, everything I want, food when we want it, views just to absolutely die for, and, and knowing that a, a country is literally at war. And, and seeing the destruction and the bombs and just the gut-wrenching reality that people are suffering. And not just in Ukraine, right? And not just this one moment, but whether it was Afghanistan a year ago, or whether it's atrocities that are happening in South America, or Africa, or Middle East, or China with the um, Uyghur population, right? There's just brokenness. But it hit me hard. And I, and I really had a hard time trying to figure out how, how do I have these two things at the same time? Right? How do I have so much realizing that there is so much brokenness? And, and what am I supposed to do? Right? Should, should I enjoy this vacation? Should I just go into mourning and ashes? Right? Like what, what as I, as a Christian, I can't, I, I'm not going to get up and take a, up a gun and go over and try to fight. And I'm not a lawyer or a politician, right? That my agency is missing in this, and yet my heart is breaking, and, and I'm praying, and uh, the war still goes on. Right. So what do we do? What does that look like 
how do we engage these issues? Um, you know, the, the, the thoughts and prayers meme, right? God wants more than his people than to just say, oh, I'll pray for you. In fact, James explicitly says, if your response to someone's hurting is to simply say, go in peace, and then leave them there, because that's, that's not real faith. James explicitly says that. And yet, we do have a God who says that prayer does change reality. And that it is an opportunity for us as God's children to go to the Father, to go to the creator of the universe, and bring to him distress. Bring to him the hurting and the vulnerable and say, God, we're asking you to move in these situations. So here I'm on vacation and I'm praying, I'm frustrated, and you know, Erica's in, like, I'm just trying to, trying to hold these two things. And where I ended up in was the Psalms. And one morning I woke up way earlier than I should have, thinking about this situation, and I just started reading through the Psalms. And Psalm 140 uh, eventually came up. And the Psalms are a fascinating book in the Bible in the fact that it's an emotional prayer of God's people. And sometimes it's the highest highs, right? And their prayers of celebration and God, thank you for sending the rain and the crops and what you're doing in our families and what you're doing in our churches. And sometimes they're prayers of distress. And so I started praying through Psalm 140 and including specifically the Ukrainian people in the Psalm. And so that's how we're going to end now. And I'm going to ask not to have the kids come in just yet because we are going to pray through and I'm going to model something for you guys and invite you into this prayer with me. Where we're going to go verse by verse praying through Psalm 140. First the actual scripture and then including our own prayers and petitions into it as well. And what we're working at doing here at Acts is starting to model different habits, different rhythms for you and your family to go through where when there are times of celebration, when there are times of challenge, that we can have habits that invite us into a deeper relationship with God that actually can move reality. So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads with me. The words are going to be up on the screens if you want to reflect on them as well. But let's go through and pray through Psalm 140 together. Oh, Lord, we ask you to rescue the people of Ukraine from evil people. Father, Lord, uh, our hearts break uh, for Ukraine and other nations, Lord, that are in a time of strife and war. Lord, where we don't know as your children how to lean in. Lord, where our agency is limited. And yet, Lord, you're not limited. Lord, you're already working in those places. And so, Lord, we lift up the country of Ukraine to you. Protect them from those who are violent, those who plot evil in their hearts and stir up trouble all day long. Their tongues sting like a stink. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. Oh, Lord, keep them out of the hands of the wicked. Father, Lord, we, we're hearing a lot of lies, the fog of war, those who plot evil against them. Lord, we just pray that you help truth pierce reality. 
Lord, that those who wish to stir up war, Lord, would be thwarted. Lord, protect them from those who are violent, for they are plotting against innocent people. Lord, we know there are innocent people in Russia, and we know there are innocent people in Ukraine. Lord God, and there are people who are plotting to harm them. Lord God, we know you are the Prince of Peace. And so we pray that peace can come upon that land. Lord God, that where rulers and dictators would stir up trouble, Lord, that you would be a balm, that you would thwart those plans. The proud have set a trap to catch them. They have stretched out a net. They have placed traps all along the way. Lord, we know there are literal traps. There are literal mines and mortars and missiles. And Lord, we pray that you literally thwart them. Lord God, we give you thanks that things like weather and mud have stopped the invasion. Lord, that your own creation is fighting against this. Lord God, we pray that you continue both through supernatural means and natural means, Lord, to uh, disable any and all vehicles of war. And I said to the Lord, you are my God. Listen, O Lord, to my cries for mercy. O sovereign Lord, the strong one who rescued us at Acts Church Leander. You protected us on the day of battle. Lord, do not let evil people have their way. Lord, every single person in this church is a testament of your provision and your love and your daily bread. Lord, you have poured out your favor on us and we pray that you continue to pour out your favor on the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia. Lord God, that that mercy, that hessed love that you pour into us, Lord, that we can pour into others as well. And Lord, that that would just permeate this conflict. Do not let their evil schemes succeed or they will become proud. Let their enemies be destroyed by the very evil they have planned. Let burning coals fall on their heads. Lord, throughout the Psalms, you talk about how the evil and the wicked will fall into their own traps. Lord God, we pray that you would thwart armies. Lord, that you would rescue and provide for those who are trapped. And finally, Father, let them be thrown into the file, watery pits which they cannot escape. Do not liars prosper here in our land. Cause great distress to fall on the violent. But we know that the Lord will help those they persecute. And he will give justice to the poor. Surely righteous people will praise your name and the godly will live in your presence. Lord God, we pray for justice for those who cannot defend themselves. We pray, pray for righteous men and women to be able to defend and care for and protect and provide for those who have you brought into their lives. Lord God, we pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for the people of Russia. We pray for those who are suffering all across this world. Lord God, knowing that you are still working, you are still fighting for us. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.
we continue our worship in song.